good evening, or day, or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. I am Sean Parker, the handsome and awesome and fantastic Sean Parker. And with me, as always, is the regular old J.P. Mooney. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's a good thing that it's a good thing that our podcast listeners can't actually see you, so they don't know that you're lying. Oh yeah, but. well, yeah. <laughs> someday, someday uh, they might. <laughs> someday, yeah, yeah, and and then they'll then they'll learn the truth. But welcome back, everybody, and uh, as always, this is the Horror Obsessive Podcast. Uh, today's a very special episode. We have with us a guest, uh, Pierce. I am going to mess up your last name, and just excuse me, because I'm going to try. Uh, Pierce Berlsheimer? Yeah, you nailed it. That's good. You're right! Yes! Yeah, so, <laughs> I feel like I'm messing up people's names. Um, that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Um, he's the director of Crabs, and um, a good friend of Horror Obsessive, so uh, we're so lucky to have him today uh, hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the film uh, Pre-Hysteria. It's uh, one of the inspirational films for Pierce as he journeyed to make crabs. So uh, pretty, I- I'm pretty excited to talk about it because um, we uh, Pierce and I had seen it. JP hadn't uh, before. And it, the, the movie's, what, 30, 30 years old? 30 I think it's 1993. Old, yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's 30 years old this year, and it's a it's a kid's movie. Of, of all things, uh, creature feature, um, what else, how else would you describe that? Um, it's, uh, it's like a kid's version of Gremlins meets Jurassic Park, kind of. Like, that's, that's really being yeah. generous, but okay. <laughs> I imagine how it was pitched, at least, when they were looking okay. at funding, like, it's not. With maybe a little bit of Indiana Jones sprinkled in there, too. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially that uh, that opening scene. Yeah. All right. Um, so as always, uh, today we are going to just uh, go through the uh, our favorite articles this week from Horror Obsessive. Uh, JP, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, let's see. Last Thursday, I saw Megan. Uh, so you guys can read my review of that. Um, I loved it. I think this movie. Got the year started off with a bang. Um, it's it's a great little horror comedy that works on both levels. The horror and the comedy are great. Uh, it's PG thirteen, but it still does a really good job with the horror. Like you don't see too much blood and gore, but it does a great job of just being creepy, being tense. And there there was actually one moment that kind of made me squirm a bit, even with the PG thirteen rating. Uh, so definitely check that movie out. Um, you want to look, you know. Uh, see more of uh, my thoughts on you can check out my review on that on uh, the website right um, you know what's funny about uh, Megan is I had the opportunity to go see it in Boston a few days ahead of uh, it being released and I thought about it but sometimes I'm just like oh, it's so it, it's 20 miles away realistically and it's not <laughs> that far but Sometimes it's just a, a pain in the butt enough to not want to go. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really wish I had now because I guess all the Megans showed up at, to the screen. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, they, the PR oh, around wow. Megan has been absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's been great. Whoever it's been great, is yeah. in charge of their marketing, uh, I hope they got a raise. I hope they did. I hope they're doing very well. <laughs> um, I saw the pale blue eye on Friday, and <laughs> it's. It's just good. <laughs> it's I um I don't know what else to say about this. You know how I feel about period pieces. It's sort of it's sort of give and take. It's um you can have so many good things in a period piece, and for some reason it just doesn't work right. The either the atmosphere or something isn't there. And the worst part is for the pale blue eyes. The, the very beginning of it, the very end of it, have everything working correctly for it, like um, atmosphere and um, pace and, and, and so much just coming together and it, it feels great. Like when you're starting off, cause you're like off with a shot and you're, you're getting into the mystery and then somewhere in the middle, it just dies. And I'm, I tried to figure it out. Like, and I was like, the pacing of this movie is just, it's all over the place. Like at some points, everything's going great. Other parts, it's slowing down. And 
I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to do, movie, but okay. Uh, the the bright spots in it though were all of the the sort of technical aspects. The uh, the acting was fantastic. Harry Melding is out of this world as Edgar Allan Poe. Um, Christian Bale is always great. Uh, the other actors, uh, Toby Jones, Gillian Anderson. There's a lot of people in this movie that, you know, fantastic actors. And then costuming, uh, set up everything. Everything looked great. Like it on paper, this movie should have worked. It's just something in there just did not, did not click all the way. But, um, I'd say, I'd say check it out once, you know, it's, it's not bad. You might like it. Um, but for what I'm really excited about is, is the, this week's release movies, uh, JP. Oh yeah. Uh, we've already talked about, <laughs> uh, Rink. Uh, so we're yep. super looking forward to that. Um, I'm excited to, I'm going to go see it in the theater too, because that's, it's just awesome. I, I would like to see that. And, um, what were the, what was the other one? Uh, Hal did the offering, uh, the review's already up on Horror Obsessive, but that's coming out on Friday as well. And um, I previewed Sick, uh, which is coming to Peacock this Friday as well. That's uh, Kevin Williamson's new movie, slasher movie. So that's uh, that's what's happening over at HorrorObsessive.com. So uh, head on over there if you want to learn more about any of those movies uh, and read up on some of the other stuff. Uh, we're also talking about Renfield in the new trailer. We're talking about um, uh, JP, you did a clip from The Way Out. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's there's plenty of stuff on there. Always a good time. All right, now we're getting into prehistoric because Pierce is our guest this week. JP, I'm gonna have him do the synopsis for the, <laughs> for this. Ooh, all right, all right, <laughs> all right, all right. So prehistoria is a kids movie from 1993 uh, about a guy that steals a bunch of baby dinosaur eggs. Uh, that then wind up uh, on this family farm and are raised by this family in the middle of California. Uh, and then a whole bunch of sort of 90s kid movie hijinks happen when the guy tries to steal his dinosaur eggs back. Um, but the real selling point of the movie is uh, all the animatronics for the little dinosaurs. Like if you watch the trailer, that's the reason you go watch this movie is that they pitch it. It seems like it's a Spielbergian sort of fun gremlins-esque uh kids movie i mean it's very very pg um but it was released the same year as jurassic park and uh the little dinosaurs the 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 animatronics and the stop motion for the little dinosaurs are still hold up and look awesome and yeah to me that's that's, that's the whole point of the movie is like how cool these little dinosaurs are i agree with that so um the Especially, like, there's a scene where uh, I think the sister walks into the laundry room after Austin O'Brien has been uh, uh, playing with them. And you look at that uh, brontosaurus, brachiosaurus, uh, I'm not a paleontologist, um, but it's sitting there and the the creation, the way it's moving, everything, you just go, damn, they did a good job on that. Like, you, like you have to admire that. Mm-hmm. Somebody put a ton of effort into those and it... it that is that is probably the biggest part of this movie that does hold up for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple wide shots where all of them are moving at once, and each of them looks alive in a different way. And just like seeing, knowing, you know, after making crabs, like knowing how much puppeteering went into just one little crab on you know moving uh, on the street, seeing the level of puppeteering in those shots was like, wow, there's probably fifteen guys you know, sitting behind the scenes puppeteering this whole little sequence. Um, and for a kid's movie with a super low budget, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, full disclosure, Radu is looking at me right now because I, I wanted to get in a little bit of that as well to sort of <laughs> compare and contrast. So <laughs> um, speaking of which, so like on that end, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've been watching, I wa- rewatched Crabs. I was trying to rewatch Crabs before we uh, started. And um I I came to the idea that like there is a lot of comparison between the two, uh, especially in sort of the town characters mm-hmm. and the uh, the colors almost. Yeah, uh, yeah. So is that it, or is there is there more stuff? Am I just 
missing things. Well, I think, you know, I have a memory of renting this movie out like dozens and dozens of times as a kid. And I haven't seen it in years. But when I was going on like the, you know, doing interviews and stuff and talking about crabs, I kept on referencing prehysteria as like one of my influences. And while I was making crabs, I kept thinking about the little dinosaur monsters and how much I wanted the little dinosaurs as a kid. And so I tried to make the crabs. I had those dinosaurs in the back of my head while I was doing the little crab uh, in, in crabs because a, the sounds like, I remember the cute little dinosaur sounds being really cool. And then I just wanted the dinosaurs as a pet. So I wanted to mix that like cute and creepy in crabs. Um, and then the tone of the movie, I remember being really fun. Like I remember it being uh, a sort of, yeah, like, like kind of a, um, a Indiana Jones for kids or Jurassic Park for kids vibe. Um, and so I was trying to bring what I remembered that being like into crabs, whether or not it, I mean, it's not exactly how I remembered it, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> I had this memory of the way it made me feel. And I wanted to bring some of that back into, into crabs. Very cool. All right. So, um, that's cool. JP, why don't you start off? Um, what did, what's, uh, what's your favorite part of prehistoric? Oh man. Uh, all right. So, so like we were saying, you know, before we started recording, uh, this is my first time seeing it. Um, I actually had never even heard of the movie. Oh boy. Before so you're this. not aware of the two sequels either. Uh, I am because I Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw this, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought it wasn't great. Um, but for me, yeah, definitely the, the, the little dinosaurs were the best part of it. Um, as a kid, I grew up watching a lot of stop motion animation, uh, stuff like King Kong, like the Ray Harryhausen movies, um, all that kind of stuff. So I love stop motion animation and seeing these little dinosaurs, um, even though I had never seen this particular movie, just seeing, you know, my, like dinosaurs done in that style was really nostalgic for me. And so I, I really love that. Um, I got to be honest, other than that, <laughs> There really wasn't much about it. I mean, the story wasn't bad. Like, I, 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 I didn't hate it. Uh, I found it watchable enough. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't really have much else to say about it. Um, beyond the, the the cool, you know, stop motion dinosaurs. Okay. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, I do. <laughs> Go ahead, Chuck. All right. Yeah, I've got a big all right. What do you, of notes. Let's hear it. Um, so first of all, like when we enter this movie, um, the first thing that that really gets put out there is the fact that uh, Austin O'Brien's character. I'm just going to call him Austin O'Brien because I don't remember names from movies anymore. Um, Austin O'Brien, for anyone out there that doesn't know, uh, the big thing that you probably recognize him from is Last Action Hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, the first thing that we intro him on is him jumping on the bed and listening to Elvis or singing to Elvis. As a matter of fact, I don't even think Elvis ever plays in the movie because they couldn't get the rights to the songs. Yep. Um, it's like two times that they, they're playing something Elvis-esque, but it's not Elvis at all. But Wait, that, that that wasn't a real Elvis song? No, no neither <laughs> of them. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's two I could have sworn I recognized that. Oh, there's two occasions in the movie, and one of them, he's like, you got the G.I. Blues real bad, sister, or something like, and... Um, <laughs> It's not even oh, it's not even Elvis, but my guess is that, that completely went over my oh and it just okay. just like okay, well that's the money. Um, but so when when we meet him and we see all this, the first thing I thought was Lilo and Stitch. I go, I wonder if Lilo and Stitch had copied this too, because that's Lilo's bag is that she is a huge Elvis fan, all all of that, and it's sort of the same idea, right? She gets this weird creature from somewhere else and they're trying to get it back and it's 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 such a similar story and so that was the first thing that stood out to me from the film yeah that's a good call i i didn't put those two together but yeah lilo and stitch again is one of my favorite favorite disney movies of all time that's uh i must have a thing for <laughs> little creatures <laughs> obviously oh I, I saw that in the theater like I, probably five times that monsters inc were like i love those those yeah. back when you know way back when i'm old <laughs> 
Mm. Wait, Lilo and Stitch isn't that old, is it? 2001, two? Somewhere in there? Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, oh, wow. Probably officially buy Lilo and Stitch a beer, you know? That movie had awesome trailers, too. Oh, wow. I guess this is a Lilo and Stitch podcast, too. But the trailer for that movie, <laughs> where, where they had, like, all the classic Disney movies, they would do, like, the, the Beauty and the Beast shot, and then you see Stitch running across the ceiling, and see. So it was yeah. like he was invading all of the classic Disney movies. Other Disney movies. I loved that too. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd see him run. I think he was running across the ceiling of like yep. um, the Beauty and the Beast thing when they were doing the dance. I, I remember that. That was uh, it, that was great. Those were all great. Yeah. They were right great. on that. Um, what else did I notice? Uh... Well, my one of my favorite parts of this, I was just thinking about like things that I don't see anymore in movies and the overacting, especially the villains overacting in this. I I love that. It's like the, it's like the home alone villains. There's like, there's this incompetent villainy uh, that just like the bumbling kind of sidekick characters near the end too, that I really enjoy. It's like, um, I, I couldn't figure out exactly when this movie released because I, I, I know that they were trying to like ride on the back of the success of Jurassic Park, but I wasn't sure if Jurassic Park had already come out and then they wrote this movie and made this movie. But the main villain seems to be trying to do like a Dennis Nedry impersonation. There's actually – one of the things I noticed is that there's a whole bunch of impersonations in this movie. There's somebody who's doing um, – like the the daughter's boyfriend is doing a Polly Shore impression. Polly Shore impression. Yes, yeah, so I've got that written down as well. <laughs> he's just being Polly Shore. Uh, yeah, he's like, well, hold on. What was the line that he, I, I was like, did he really just say that? Uh, nice gams. I can see where your daughter gets your great legs. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> there are a number of lines that I wrote down in this movie that don't make any sense. There's so many things in this movie that I'm like, Wait, hold on. What? What is that about? He just. If I had ever said to my father, "Leave him alone. He's horny," I'm pretty sure I would have kicked out of me. So, like, <laughs> down to. to hear that, like, literally thirty years removed, and just go, "What?" <laughs> in, a, in a kids movie, too, nonetheless. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. Ninety-three film. Uh, <laughs> and then it is, the, uh, nice, the so. main the main villain in the beginning of the movie, he's like going to open the the tomb where the dinosaur eggs are, and he goes, "Open sesame, baby snakes." I'm like, ba- "Baby snakes, <laughs> open sesame, baby snakes." And I had to listen to it. I rewound it like two or three times. I'm like, "What the hell is he talking about, baby snakes?" Anyway, well, because well, because well, the name of the place is Culebra, which is snake in Spanish. Oh, okay. So there is a yeah, reason yeah. to it. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a small reason. Oh, it's uh, not barely a logical reason. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, that's about the best part of the beginning, anyway. <laughs> 30 years later, this, it's a little uh, racy. <laughs> yeah. Or racist, whichever you prefer. Um, that whole, like... First of all, him like I just I I'm not gonna lie, I got a little mad when he was calling him Jeffy instead of Hefe. Yeah, and I was like, I'm like, this is oh, okay, mm. wasn't great. Yeah, not 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 fantastic. Um, but there is um uh, one of the things that I did notice, especially at the beginning, and then it even gets better when it uh when it picks up throughout the thing, uh throughout the film the. Music is very music box, carnival, uh, ice cream truck sort of music. Mm, you get this. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, I said to JP after I watched it, like, or wh- I think I was actually still watching it. I texted you and said, uh, this is like a sugar blast of nostalgia. Like, it's just all, sh- all saccharin <laughs> sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really caught me off guard because a lot of the movie, especially the music in it, is just, I think that's what you get wrapped up in is it creates a whole atmosphere of uh, just childishness and, and fun. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. Uh, I do respect that a lot. I think whoever wrote the score to this uh, soundtrack definitely did a, a fantastic job. I don't think it's a, it's a great soundtrack by, <laughs> by any means, but I, I think he got the atmosphere and everything correct for the, for the film. Well, the opening song, yeah. too, when they're doing the opening credits, immediately brought me back. Like I, I remember hearing that opening tune so often and feeling excited about that that opening song. Like, brought me back to how I felt when I was, you know, five or whatever it was when I watched this. Like, that was 
that was cool. I like, I like, and it, it, it does create this sort of time vibe of that era. You know, he's, he's obviously aping a bunch of the movies of the time, whoever the composer is, but um, yeah, it definitely creates a, uh, it's a very nostalgic soundtrack. Yeah. That music in the opening credits to me, like when, when, when it first hit, it reminded me almost of reanimator. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um, kind of like how, how reanimator is taking the psycho music and kind of making it more playful. This, I don't know, just something about the playfulness of it just for some reason hit me like reanimator almost. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't put that one together, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just weird. The other no, no, hey, that, no, to each his own. Like, I mean, I think that's what we're doing here is, you know, movies strike us in very different ways. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would have never have thought in a million years that pre-hysteria would have been the film that Pierce, you know, sort of modeled <laughs> against, but here we are, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um. There's a, the other, the other thing that I noticed that uh, was really jarring to me, like now having a film language and not just being a kid, uh, was the editing, because the editing was like we would start in a scene, whether they're they're you know they're in the 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 shop and they would be in the back room having a conversation, and then we cut to the car driving and we'd have a conversation, then we cut back to the same conversation in the shop and then that happened again later like he's having his press conference at the end of the movie where he's going to show the little dinosaurs and he gives the press conference and then says okay no more questions and then walks inside and we cut to the car and the car's just driving and then we cut back and he's still giving the press conference and then we cut back to the car and then he's still giving the press conference when we cut back to him so it's like this they're trying to build tension or something by cutting the scenes up but it just feels like run on scenes that needed to be spliced in different ways. So it wasn't, so any one scene wasn't too long or something or like held the kid's attention or it just, it was, it was a little jarring. The editing wasn't great. The other thing is with that is it's because you have like that 32nd, uh, sort of memory with that. So like, even I like, now that you say that, I know exactly what you're talking about. He gives that, um, he starts giving the press conference, but he's actually asking them, what do you think it is? Or what do you think it is? And he's like, no more questions. And he walks away. Yep. And then you're like, like, I didn't even think of it until now that exactly he's, he does that. Then they cut to them trying to get there, uh, at, you know, at the, trying to get to the press conference and rescue the dinosaurs. And there's no reason. <laughs> like, um, because that's, that other scene just continues regardless. Yeah. Uh, but what I really got a kick out of was, and I was saying this to J, I texted JP this too because I laughed, I, I laughed my ass off. I'm not going to lie. It was the very end of the film, right after <laughs> yeah. that. Um, this is what I wrote down. I'm just going to read it. Um, shot of Whitey saying, "Fine family, Mr. Taylor." Lengthy pan over to the children and the dinos. Uh, then, as the music dies, it cuts to Frank and Vicky. Stays too long on them and ends in a. All right, see you later, Whitey. <laughs> and then it ends with a shot of uh, Hefe with no context. Why is he in the States? Has he come <laughs> to grab the dinosaurs? Is he there to mm-hmm. kill to get the dinosaurs back? Also, did they just go home? That guy can just find them. He knows where they live. He's, that's millions of dollars in dinosaurs. What? What did you do, movie? <laughs> you just ended. <laughs> there's not an ending. Yeah, there's really not an ending. Especially because they showed the gun earlier, and they're all cowering in the corner, you know, counting to 500 for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then later, they just are like, all right, well, we're going to take them back. And it's like they're playing tug-of-war with the dinosaurs. It's never going to end. Yeah. Well, that's why they have two more movies. <laughs> that nobody is in. You, the dinosaurs keep going oh, really? back, but none of the people do. Did the people die? Did other people take the dinosaurs? Is it the I same dinosaurs? I want it is. Hysteria one and a half. It is? Okay. Yeah, it's the, it's the same dinosaurs. And to my surprise, I watched, so I watched the trailers for two and three, and Fred Willard is in the third one. Yes. Which I couldn't <laughs> believe. I was like, hmm, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think like I think like Fred Willard had that he had that moment right. Uh, he he pulled uh, Paul Rubens, and I feel like maybe for a minute he was sort of 
oh, you can do these now. <laughs> <laughs> Family films, though? I don't know. Maybe this was before that, too. I don't know. Maybe he was just seeing a dip in his career. But um, it's I, I definitely went, Fred Willard, okay. There was also, when I, when I saw the trailer for Prehysteria 2, uh, at the end of it, it must the trailer I saw must have been marketed to video stores or something because it says, when you buy three copies of the VHS, you'll get savings up to 11% plus three t-shirts. I'm like, who the hell is buying three copies of Prehysteria 2? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're on to something there. Uh, do you remember, you know what's funny is I was thinking about um, I, I have a couple of, like, I just signed up for the, the Vinegar Syndrome, like, yearly um, subscription pass. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, if Columbia House could see me now. I didn't even get any movies for a penny, you know? Um, so <laughs> I thought that was funny that it's literally 30 years later and I'm still getting subscriptions of, of movies I might not even want sent to my house. <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome's been killing it with physical releases no they have that and that's sort of why i, I signed up for them is because uh i did one of their uh like i think it was like four to six releases uh, a while back and i loved pretty much everything i got even people were complaining that one of them was creature by william malone oh yeah and i go no you you don't understand i wanted that that's great <laughs> It's uh, it creatures the an alien ripoff, uh, JP. If you've never seen it, it's yeah, no, I've it, never heard of it. It's 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 not good. It's but it's fun. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, it, it's just a good time. It's it's a schlocky, seventy sci fi movie. That's it. Yeah. So basically, vinegar syndrome is bread and butter. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I signed up for their their one this year because I liked a couple of the titles from the January one and I said, screw it, if I'm going to buy these at least they won't be, you know, $35 a pop. So, yeah. Cool. cool. That was my Christmas gift to myself. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> you always got to get yourself a little something, you know? Alright. Uh, Brain Dead Danny. Yep, that's the daughter's boyfriend's name. Yeah, I'm looking at my- Wait, is that... Actually, his name or that's the name of the movie. Is Dan- his name is Danny, but um, the dad calls him Brain Dead Danny. Oh, yeah. oh, re- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Uh, what is it? Yeah. The daughter comes over and and says, "I don't want you to replace mom or something." Some of the conversations in this movie are, are bad. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the dialogue is weird as hell, and I think that that is truly entertaining. Uh, like you know, leave him alone, he's mm-hmm. funny, and, and uh, say howdy, you just got kissed on the tush by the king. There's a good amount of fun. There's, there's a lot of, like, just silly, stupid stuff in this, and that's that's perfectly great, and just entertaining and fun, and, like, uh, definitely 90s. But, um, yeah, every once in a while, they'll have, like, a serious conversation. Like, the first thing that the kid says uh, to the father is, um, do you miss mom? I kind of wished like right after he said that, that the mother came, what are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> kinda, like hoping for something just silly and yeah, it's just all. <laughs> yeah, going back and watching this movie, you know, 30 years later, uh, it is, there's a lot less there than I remember. I remember, oh. I remember that being, you know, I, as a kid, I had no discerning, you know, I, I liked all, all the movies. I just like watching movies, right? I like Gremlins yeah. and I like Goonies Some and I like Prehysteria, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember putting this movie on a pedestal. I remember having this as like, this was my favorite VHS movie to rent from the video store. And I think the whole, it all came down to like, nothing to do with the story, nothing to do with anything other than how badly I wanted little dinosaurs like i I wanted to have little dinosaurs so bad that this movie was like the closest i could get to actually having little dinosaurs and pretending that that was real that i put the whole movie on a pedestal and it's uh yeah it uh it doesn't it doesn't hit the same way it does when you're yeah yeah i mean i think that if any of us went back to our like uh childhood selves and and looked at those movies that we loved growing up uh, they 
they don't. I, I remember loving like um, Babes in Toyland, and I read reviews of that recently that were like, "Oh my god, this is absolute trash, garbage." <laughs> and I'm like, "I I liked it." Uh, <laughs> my four year old self is inside, you know. Mm, whatever, man. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so no, I I mean I get it. Um, but what I do um. I do have to say that, like, some of the people in this, like, Austin O'Brien, I don't know where he went. Like, yeah. what happened to that kid? He seemed, he was on the right track. He had Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and then I don't think, I think maybe he did a couple things in his teens, and that was about it. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. A- any of them, really. The dad looked familiar, but I couldn't place what I knew him from. The dad has been in a long Yeah, yeah, same here, um, same so here. The dad was in... Uh, Probably the biggest thing that he was most prominent in was True Detective. He was one of the other detectives um, in the first season, I believe. Uh, he's in Ghost Rider. He's Nicolas Cage's dad. He's in Joker. He was Thomas Wayne. That's, um, that's it. That's oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, we were yeah, yeah. he's been in a bunch of things. So like he's he's been around for sure. And like I said, there's there's that too. And I go overacting right we were talking about that just a second ago i go he must have gotten a lot better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good for brett cullen i guess <laughs> um but well something like joker was almost through it 25 years later so all that practice oh, yeah, yeah. i mean that, that's it right is, is what any of us is doing is just trying to you know get better be more prepared and try to figure it out you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, one of the. <laughs> uh, I'm on I'm on the IMDb page for this, and, and the first quote that comes up is Frank. You like threatening women, and Rico says a little bit. Yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's nineties film for you. <laughs> yeah, there there was a lot of strange undertones in this whole thing. Like, oh my god! Like, the, seriously, I I didn't even know that. Like, in all honesty, like I went into this with like a lot of nostalgia vibes too. I was like, wow, because I, I remember renting this as well uh, several times. I did not. We did not rent this just once. Um, <laughs> this was something. This was some what of like a family get together kind of movie. Uh, Saturday night, go to the video store. Go, I want to watch Prehistoric. Um, so like, I, I got that same vibe that you did. So I was kind of anxious when you said that we were going to watch this. I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know? And then, um, you know, right off the bat that, uh, Rico in the, in the jungle scene was kind of, uh, I mean, I liked the legends of the hidden temple kind of stuff and the way that they put that together. Cause that actually, um, that whole set piece really reminded me of, uh, I went to Hawaii uh, a few years ago. Well, now it's like a decade ago, but they had the set from Journey Two, that rock movie. Oh yeah, uh, and they never took it down. It was in uh, Kalua Park, and they didn't take it down. So I've got pictures of being on this. It's basically a styrofoam set. It's every all of the pillars and everything. They're just made of styrofoam, and they're out in the middle of this field. This is also the field where um, Jurassic Park was filmed and Godzilla. Uh, parts of Godzilla were filmed. The 1998 one. Um, and yeah, so I'm standing on this thing and, and me and my uh, then girlfriend, we were like jumping up and like holding the rocks and things like this because they're all made of styrofoam. So like these giant boulders that look like impossible were, were just lifting up and looking like strong, <laughs> the strongest we possibly can. And that was fun. And so like, I see this, I see this like temple-esque uh, thing on it. And I was like, ah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a good time, <laughs> you know. Like, so there's even like even side nostalgia that I got, you know, <laughs> from from uh, going into this. But yeah, and then to have it sort of, I I think it's hard because like you have those scenes with uh, Hefe being disrespected, and you and I get it, you know, you're setting up that cartoonish villain, and you really want to drive it home. And in some fashion, I guess, I guess I admire the idea of setting it up that way i just kind of don't like the way that they did it yeah i'm with Um, you it 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 was it was disconcerting that like i hadn't remembered any of that part like that just wasn't in my memory at all the the racist elements especially when i started watching the movie i'm like oh this is this is uh i really hate this guy a lot more than i remember hating him because as a kid i liked the goofy villain right like the goofy villain was 
bumbling and not mean. Like he wasn't. I remember he, he didn't seem. He just kind of seemed like a jerk. But I, there were so many elements that went over my head, or I didn't register as a kid. That I when I was watching it now, I'm like, oh, they really make him horrible in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, he is he is a despicable human being right yeah, away. Yeah. And every line that comes out of his mouth is either, you know, some way derogatory or some way racist or some way like disrespecting the whole this whole culture. And uh, I hated his character a lot more than I did than I remember hating him. You know, I wonder if that's why uh, us as millennials are, are very uh, against certain things is because we had those characters that were like that. And like you said, we didn't even remember those aspects of it because we only remember the good parts of this movie. Yeah, right. Totally. You know? So it's sort of like back <laughs> then, even even back then we were woke as hell. So <laughs> it's just like I just think it's funny because it, it's I mean obviously this is a time capsule film from thirty years ago, um, but you just go like the, that was just one of the the weirdest pieces of this was was that villain because uh, he's definitely very dastardly, you know, like um, you know, gonna like furl his mustache yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, um very cartoonish but yeah i i get it the um now i had wanted to to talk a little bit about the director because for people that don't know <laughs> um this was uh father son production this was uh albert band and charles band directed the film um albert had done i think it was, i think it's a lot of westerns like realistically he was big into the whole scene of of filmmaking he um executive producer of like castle freak and and later curse of the puppet master i think that was the last one before he died uh pit and the pendulum uh executive producer on honey i blew up the kid you know but i think if you go into his directing career like he starts off with like the young guns and i bury the living uh, Gunfight in the Red Sands, The Hellbenders, which I have sitting on my shelf and have been meaning to watch for probably five years. Um, stuff like that. And then when his son, his his son Charles, is actually the guy that owns Full Moon Features. And for anyone that doesn't know Full Moon Features, these are the people that made um, subspecies, uh, all of the Puppet Master films, like all, I think there's like 12 to 20 of them. I, there's a ton of them. And I think he made a whole bunch of those. I think he literally directed a ton of the, the Puppet Master ones. But he's also the producer, distributor. They have their own streaming service, everything. It's kind of it, It's kind of impressive because this is like, this is one of those weird offshoots in horror that, the movies are kind of uh, niche, like ve- like very niche, but they've made a whole brand out of it, and you got to give them credit for that. And I, so I looked up how much Prehistoria made made a hundred million dollars in rental sales, which is just Jesus wild Christ. for a, for a <laughs> is considered basically a really film, an indie kids film. Hundred wow. million dollars in rental sales, which is just yeah. Th- this whole company was based on rentals i mean i don't think any any full moon movie went to theaters it was all rentals and there was such a demand uh as far as i know one has oh really that was uh, the puppet it was recent uh puppet master the littlest reich um oh you know who wrote that uh thomas lennon i think oh really well maybe i got this it was thomas lennon is it someone i thought he i know he's in it i thought he wrote it too uh I'll have to look. Um, I thought it was S. Craig Zoller um, who did uh, – he wrote one of the Puppet Master ones. I'll have to look up. But S. Craig Zoller – Oh, Tomahawk? Tomahawk, yeah, yeah, and uh, Braun Oh, my God, Craig. you're right. Uh, Charles Band based yeah, on S. Craig characters and S. Craig yeah. Zoller, yeah. He's he is my favorite working director today, S. Craig Zoller. I, I, that guy is just incredible. Um, but, yeah, he yeah, wrote – crazy films, yeah. Uh, yeah, Puppet Master, The Little Strike. Yeah, uh, so that went to I think that went to theaters. I think it was like limited run, nothing spectacular. But that might have been the only, that might be the only film in the history of, of Full Moon. Also, I think Fangoria has uh, some. Oh yeah, that makes sense though because of uh, S. Craig Zoller too. Um, that uh, there's some weird stuff 
on that end. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they also did uh, a whole bunch of the evil Bong movies. Yeah, Tommy Chong. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like they just made they made these little films um, super niche and now, like I said, they have a, a streaming service on their own as well that you can watch all their movies on. I don't think you can get their movies any other way but except going through them. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, I think you can go to a store and buy one, but they're the ones distributing it to that store. So, super cool. Um, self-starters, you know, I, I, I'm impressed. So, <laughs> they've been doing it for some time now, so... They were like the asylum before the asylum. I mean, like maybe maybe a little bit, yeah. Um, but I remember really liking a lot of their stuff. I remember being excited whenever I saw Full Moon come up. I was, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to whatever they would put out. Yeah, uh, and like you said, they were just getting like they got rich off of you know short movies the same sort of the same idea as like trauma too. trauma yeah. did this sort of same idea uh i think trauma gets one released to theaters every once in a while too but rare a lot of that stuff now comes from festivals they're doing the same thing as everybody else and just buying up uh titles from other people um but yeah uh <laughs> that's that's about it that's all i got <laughs> I'm looking uh, at um, uh, my notes. The other thing that well, I remember the, yeah, the dinosaurs are the whole, the crux of this whole movie is checking out the dinosaurs. If you're going to check out the movie, that's what you want to watch. Just watch the clips of the dinosaurs on YouTube because the movie's not all that great. Um, but <laughs> well, what, if, if anybody wants to watch it, it's on Peacock uh, it, and Tubi. And yeah, I watched, oh, it's on a lot of things. Tubi, Freebie. Um, yeah. So it's like, if you want to watch it, it's available uh, plenty of places. Um, but if you if you really just want to see the dinosaurs and what we're talking about, YouTube is it's right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm... All right. The only thing that I don't have uh, that we have that I haven't talked about is how creepy Whitey is. <laughs> um, just just a lurker. Yeah, I didn't understand his, the point of his character besides just being the creepiest guy, and I, I wasn't sure what. Why is he there besides maybe helping them at the end, which also is super confusing because I don't understand why the guy thought the dinosaurs were in that, like in the cage that he presents to the press. The bad guy thinks the dinosaurs are in the cage that he's presenting to the press, but then the stores across the street and the family arrives at the store and they go through the store and the dad just walks through the store across the street and watches the event happening but the dinosaurs are back at the store in boxes because maybe Whitey switched the dog with the dinosaurs, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The other thing is, how did he get the dog? <laughs> oh, right. oh, they brought the dog. No, they brought the dog. With them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, that's right. Yeah. They, um, first, he's like, oh, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I didn't shoot you. And you're right about those two guys. I feel like that was their entire career, too, because I've definitely seen that um, – uh, the the bigger guy yep. there in other films doing the same sort of bumbling act, um, maybe a little less cartoonishly, but uh, he's still like he's that Italian presence that, uh, hey, we're gonna rough you up kind of guy. And those those two guys are actually in. A, a, I read this on the Wikipedia, but apparently those two actors uh, play the exact same characters in another Full Moon movie. I think it's called Remote Control, but they they apparently the. The audience liked those two, the the bumbling sidekicks so much that they just reused them as the villains in another movie they made. I feel like I saw that years ago. I don't remember much about it, but is it sort of Toy Story, but like, or batteries not included kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, like, I think that's the gist, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, we rented all those back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... That's all I have on pre-hysteria. But uh, Pierce, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there like you got anything coming up? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so Crabs is out. Uh, if you liked pre-hysteria as a kid, you might see some of that in Crabs, or maybe not. <laughs> it's not exactly the movie I remembered it. 
Um, but yeah, Crabs is out on Blu-ray and on iTunes and Google Play and Vudu and Amazon Prime. Um, and uh, the Blu-ray is the best version of it by far because we loaded it up with all sorts of cool special features and stuff. Um, so yeah, check those out. And then uh, I'm working on some scripts here and there, but nothing immediately in the works. Um, I'm just trying to get Crabs out uh around the world we're actually coming out in japan this is wild we're coming out in japan in theaters in like 40 theaters oh really yeah this is nuts oh that's awesome and there's like there's i i keep looking at twitter it's called killer kabuto gami in which means killer horseshoe in japanese (laughs) and there's like okay banners in public bathrooms and huge marquee posters and stuff like that for the movie so the Jap- our Japanese distributor uh, Eden is uh, is really going all out for it, which is cool. I'm I'm really glad because the movie has these ka- this kaiju fight at the end that I based on like mm-hmm. traditional uh, Japanese uh, Godzilla films, and so getting to see like a Japanese audience accepting the movie and having the reception that it has has been really cool. So it comes out uh, January 20th, and if you're in Japan, uh, go check it out in theaters. <laughs> nice that's awesome yeah that's that's fantastic yeah uh, thank you it's been really cool to see i'm gonna have to go on a little vacation in japan soon <laughs> i just looked at tickets and it's like it was it was 800 bucks for me to fly to japan 800 round wow. trip that was like round trip 800 bucks and so i was looking into trying to go for the premiere uh mm-hmm. but uh apparently covid is not great over there at the moment and uh oh, they're not doing sucks. any events or anything like that so it's it's in theaters but i think it's it's not, yeah, no Q and A's or anything like that. So, yeah. I decided to get some, okay. unfortunately. Are you doing any virtual stuff for it? Um, I've done a couple uh, interviews and stuff like that. Um, but uh, no, it'll be it'll be fun. I'd love to. I think I think it requires a lot of like, uh, especially because the movie's subtitled in in uh, Japanese. Yeah, so it's so, a lot of coordination. I yeah, it would it would take some effort to make that happen. Makes sense. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can have it promoted <laughs> here and have uh, have something, you know, because that that's that's super cool. I, I I mean, I felt when you told me about the the crab suit at was it is it Fantasia? Yeah, for that year. Um, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Like that people were embracing it as much as that because I I mean, crabs is a ton of fun. Like we've talked about it before. It's just. It's yeah, wild. It's great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it was uh, um uh Fright Fest in the UK with the with the oh, crab suit. Yeah. Fright Fest. But yeah, like I just I love seeing the movie get any attention to. Like it's I, I like that you're, you know, succeeding. Let's just put it that way. I'm happy Thank you. for you. So Yeah, it's it's been interesting because like this is I've been working on it for eight years now, and now it's finally out in the world. Um and so I've it's kind of been the the main thing that i've been doing and now that it's out i'm like oh man i don't know what to do like i i i gotta i gotta figure out what's next and uh but i also need to uh, like get crabs into the right it's what it's like because i self-distributed the movie i'm relying on it picking up on its own like yeah i'm just hoping that it gets into the right people's hands and then they like it enough to tell their friends about it and stuff like that. So I think that the, I'm hoping that the movie just kind of has a, a life of its own. It's going to, it's going to do what it's going to do. Um, and so now I'm in the process of like stepping away from that and uh, trying to create something new. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Are there any, um, any plans for crabs too at all? I would love to make, I mean, if, if I could, if crabs does well, I've, I've got, two three four and five ideas for it like i i'd love to turn crabs into sort of an absurdist series where each one builds on the absurdity of the next kind of like fast and the furious but i don't want to take eight movies to get to space you know what i mean like (laughs) okay i'd love to have crabs just be this continuing like upping of ridiculousness to the point of absurdity where even even if we're playing with genre like even if each movie is a different sort of genre um i'd love to build a whole crabs universe like i have a i i want to make a film noir crabs movie with radu like i want to just do weird stuff with, <laughs> use this universe as like a a base 
for all of these crazy ideas that I could come up with. Um, but the movie's got to do well and people have to care before I do that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we're helping out. Hopefully, uh, I've told oh, for sure. uh, definitely handfuls of people, like whoever I talk to and, and we get on the subject, especially like I live on a, in a New England coastal area, so it's very easy for me to go, have you heard of crabs? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I do you love guys. that you, you kind of stop yourself and you're like, I, I want to put crabs into the right hands. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> just every once in a while. <laughs> well, the, the marketing in Japan is brilliant because they're putting posters in bathrooms. I'm like it, it, on the, on the mirrors in the bathrooms. I posted the photo on Twitter. It's, it's really funny, but they're post- putting like crabs in the bathrooms as that's where they're promoting the movie, which I think is just, it's uh it's fun. I'm it's, glad it's, they're playing into the uh, yeah. ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah, that that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, JP, you got anything else? Oh, go see Skin Rank this weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's about it. Yeah, nothing. Uh, man, not much else. Nope. I'm I'm good. <laughs> All right. Pierce, thank you so much for uh, coming out. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was fun to talk right. about this. It's, there's, uh, <laughs> thanks for watching Prehistoria. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I guess that's a wrap. Uh, thank you for being with us today, and in uh, two weeks' time, uh, we'll have another show for you. We're a little. Uh, we're not sure what's happening yet. We may have another special guest. We'll we'll let you know. All right. Um, all right. As always, I am Sean Parker with JP Nunez. Uh, visit horrorobsessive.com and and check out our uh, interview with Pierce from when Crabs came out. And am I missing anything? Oh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, no, we're good. Cool. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.